Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Now we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And if this is your first a couple times here, first 50 times or less here, you may say, what's the rest again? Because either I fall asleep or, or what you say doesn't make any sense. Okay, I'll try to give it to you simple. I'll try to give it to you straight. What I'm going to try to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever has been keeping you up at night, whether it's thoughts, feelings, uh, sensations from the mind, the body, the spirit, or your emotional center. I'm going to try to take your mind off that. I'm going to try to distract you from that. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones. I'm going to use pointless meanders. I'm going to go on tangents. I'm going to say, Jesus, what, what? I'm going to do that. I do that a lot. And some of it's not even on purpose, just my brain. You know, I'm a slow brain typist. Like the transcoding takes forever, I guess, you know. We, we talk about this a lot. Now, tonight's episode's special. It has sound effects, and, and they're weaved in there, I think, in a non-disturbing way. But And I'll talk about that at the top of the episode. But, but it, it'll be a story. It'll have some personal elements. This is a particularly, not a, a harsh personal story, but a story from my childhood, a little journey uh, with little Andy, as I once was known and may still be known by certain people. But I'm going to take you on that journey, not in an autobiographical, here we go right now, it's an autobiographical, not in an autobiographical manner, not in a Joseph Cambabelian manner, and obviously JCF Foundation, please don't come after me. Uh, Not in a... uh, you know, tightly structured manner, like one of my heroes, uh, screenwriter, movie-making heroes would do. But in a way that you're like, well, you know, kind of like when it, I don't know if you've had this experience. This is if you, you're a parent or you're an aunt or an uncle or you're in a relationship and you have someone you're, you're in a relationship with. And you go to a movie at the behest of the other person, but you don't feel really resentful. You're like, okay, I'll go to that kid's movie or I'll go to that genre movie that you like. And you kind of go into it and, and you're kind of like, uh, you're feeling neutral. You say, well, she said, I'm not expecting it to be like, I'm not in a bad mood. Like sometimes you feel a little resentful or, you know, I do because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a double human being. I have all the human stuff probably, you know, magnified or something. But, uh, you know, if you're going into it and you say, well, just let me see how this movie goes. And then the movie goes just like that. The movie ends and you say, well, that wasn't terrible. And, and this person, this child or this lover, this partner of mine, my husband, my wife, my father, my mother, whatever it is, you say, well, they enjoyed it too. So, so that's kind of like, this is, that's what this podcast is like. You say, ideally, you just fall asleep at some part of your brain and be like, well, this isn't terrible. I don't need, I don't think I need to shut this off because, and then ideally you, you'll, uh, 
You'll be just engaged enough to kind of pay attention, not think about all the other stuff that's been keeping you up at night. But you'll say, well, you know, Scooter's not exactly living like the, the, the this kind of life that's so riveting. I, I can't, you know, I can't fall asleep. Now, I do have to tell you, this episode is dedicated to a few people, most of, a lot of which I'll forget. Well, let me tell you, this is an episode that goes out to number one, Steven Spielberg, number two, Robert Zemeckis, uh, number three, George Lucas, uh, number four, Richard Donner, uh, number five, Lawrence Kasdan. There's probably a bunch of a way to, oh, Ian Fleming, uh, I can't forget Ian Fleming. There's probably a bunch of other people in there missing, and then some modern-day people, John August, Greg Mazin, uh, Joey Sanders and all the students that were in my classes at Berkeley City College, a community college uh, that was taught by uh, classes that were taught by Joey Sanders, and those classes and the connections I made there uh, helped reignite my passion for just making up stories and loving stories and movies and listening to the Script Notes podcast with John and Craig it was a parallel journey. And so without any of those people, those current people, and there's a lot more current people, obviously, uh, but these people are particularly tied to my passion of, of, of movies as I was a kid and then more recently. So I just wanted to say that this show's dedicated to all these people. And you see, most people say, well, geez, that's a lot. You can't really do that, Scooter, because that was like eight, eight or nine or ten, twelve people. And also you miss, you know, your, your parents. And I say, okay, yeah, okay. Rainbot. Like when you're dedicating stuff, this is one, another time you might need this podcast. Don't do any dedication speeches. Uh, commencement. I think we went over this once. So don't do any commencement speech planning. Even commencement speech or dedication. I probably was fantasizing about this dedication to hang at bedtime. But don't do it. Don't follow my bad example. And don't fantasize about commencement speech making, award ceremonies. You know, don't fall into that, uh, you know, pit of uh, all or nothing of award ceremony, commencement speech despair. Because even when you're, you say, well, geez, I'm never going to fall asleep now because I got, I got all these jokes now. And they say, well, geez, shouldn't you worry about what are you exactly winning an award for? You haven't done uh, Okay, well, okay, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should go to the, you know. So that's what this podcast is here for, when you get in bed. And then those award-related brain bots, those parts of your brain, I call them brain bots, that start perking up. They say, hey, how come you haven't won any awards? Well, remember, uh, you know, Little League, I won, you know, they called me the Cisco Kid Award. Remember that? What was that for? Because they they called me the Cisco. They said, here you go. Here's your award for the Cisco kid. They called me up. And everybody, okay, have you won any awards? Okay. Like, it gets hard. And they say, well, geez, what award would you win? And then it comes, well, geez, I do. It would be nice to win some awards. You know, that would give me some certainty and ease my relationship issues and money, you know, whoa. And they say, oh, yeah, what would I say if I won that award? And then you say, well, then everything would go wrong. And then you go down. There's too many roads when it comes to award uh, fantasizing, uh, dread, 
or commencement speeches. It was the same ball game, exact same thing. So I just want to take your mind off that. That's what this podcast is. It is strange. You know, the last nine minutes have been pretty strange if you've been here for it. But it's a good-hearted, good-natured attempt to help you fall asleep. It's different than what else is out there. And I put I put everything I have into it, including this episode is really bearing. It's, it's got some stuff not not super embarrassing, not humiliating. Mildly, I feel mildly exposed. It's the kind of vulnerability I'm most com- comfortable with, barely vulnerable. He said, geez, Scooter, you really were emotionally vulnerable-like in that episode. Yeah, thank you. I really stretch. So whatever it is, I'm here to help. I want to help you fall asleep. It's it's weird. So I hope you give this show a couple of tries. If it doesn't work for you, I'm sorry it didn't, and I'm sorry I used up your time. You could email me, and I might be able to track down another solution. Laura Miller's article on Slate had a couple other great solutions. Uh, so, so, so that's it. That's why I'm here. Is, is is I really hope, I really desire. I'm sending my voice, and really, in some sense, as much as I can get in touch with my heart, I'm sending my voice in my heart across the deep dark night. I want to escort you over that threshold. All right, and thanks for being here. And I, I really do hope I help you fall asleep. Good night. Hey, everybody, it's Scooter here. It's uh, time for another Tuesday episode. It is November 7th, uh, Saturday, late, early evening, well, post-sunset, I guess that's always evening, evening, and I'm do, we're going to do a new uh, test episode here. It's a trending sound effects episode, so if anybody doesn't, so this will be a test, we'll see how it goes, uh, but this will have some sound effects weaved into the story. I haven't totally, I think I know how it's going to go as far as weaving them into the story. Is I'm going to listen to them and then maybe we'll uh, do a music bed. I mean, we'll play, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It was a great idea submitted by Bob C., one of our wonderful listeners. And I saw, he said, hey, I got all these sound effects that I, I used to be in radio. He said, he said, hey, I got all these sound effects. And he, he said, let's, let's try a few out. I said, let's do it. So that's going to be the, the trends for the episode. Sounding, I think Bob had a great name for it. Of course, I forgot. But it's trending, sounding, sweater, swoos day. Uh, swoos day, which is, sounds, you know, that's very Susian. Somebody actually is weird that that comes up because somebody used the word swole with me today, which I think I didn't ask them how you spell swole. I guess I would presume it's W S W O L E, and uh, I think it means you know muscular swole, it's swelled, swole. Is that the present tense of sw- swollen? So swole, because uh, we were walking by a gym and they said, "Hey, I used to get swole at this gym." They were using it in a non; they're just using it in parlance, I guess. So that's interesting. But so here's where my thoughts were with tonight's episode. I, I, uh, a new James Bond movie comes out, or came out, I guess, a Spectre. And I think Daniel Craig makes a pretty good Bond. And I've always loved the Bond movies. Oh, now it looks like we may, maybe we'll have a double setup here. 
and, and again, these might be stories some of you have heard before, but in a diff- different context. And there's two things about Bond movies. One that affects this episode, but the other thing is when I decided I wanted to, there was a point in my life, a summer, let's see if I can make this as short and sweet as I can, but there was a point in my life where I was old enough to go to the movies alone. And I would say that was fifth or sixth grade. And there was a movie movie theater, two-screen movie theater, maybe three screens. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was, it was close enough to walk. I don't know if we got dropped off, but sometimes me and one of my siblings would go. Or my best friend at the time, who, uh, I don't know what happened to our friendship. I think I talked about this before. But we would go uh, to the movies. That was one of the greatest summers of my life. And one of the movies was a James Bond movie that summer. And I probably saw it, and I'm not being facetious, at least ten times in the movie theater. And I had a paper out, and all my money went to going to the movies that summer. I think the only other thing I spent money on that summer was a, a pack of score bars. I dreamed of buying, like, a bulk candy and I think I bought like a pack of score bars, like an eight pack. I probably ate them all at that moment, and so that's why I don't eat score bars anymore. Still, I'm still a toffee fan, not a hardcore uh, toffee consumer, but I enjoy toffee. I'm not a toffee like some people are like, especially those uh, those rolls. What are they called? I, don't, I can't say Roca. Living in Almond Roca. But so I saw this Bond movie, a couple other movies, and I remember now, like I said, I was in fifth or sixth grade. So now most of my classmates were, you know, everybody loves the movies, but I would go home and recreate the movies with G.I. Joes and Transformers and Fisher Price. And I can remember, I guess this was sixth grade, so too old to be playing with toys by some people's standards, but not by mine. And I remember I was reenacting a scene from the James Bond movie, a snow-based scene, I think, with a a snow-based G.I. Joe character. And at some moment, my mind grasped the fact, for the first time, uh, at least uh, in a concrete way, that people actually make these movies, that it's someone's job uh, to to make make sure these movies get made. And I, and I guess uh, it, before that, I never thought, thought about it. And, and at that point, I decided, well, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to make movies. And I remember I became obsessed with, uh, like, I didn't really have any... I don't know what happened was I I learned about Steven Spielberg and not only was Steven Spielberg a director he was usually an executive director producer so I got obsessed with that I think sometimes my focus gets too too narrow so I didn't think about the fact that people write the movies uh, some people just direct movies some people produce movies. People act in movies, people, all these thousands of people can contribute to the making of a movie. And we should have a second of gratitude for all those people. Thank you. Um, um, so I, I became obsessed with Steven Spielberg at the time and, and an executive. And I said, one day I'm going to be an executive producer, director. And people would ask me what that means. 
I know there was a lot of sixth graders that didn't mature. I was about uh, maturity of a third grader, I would say, as a sixth grader. So I, I just say, hey, well, I'm going to make movies like seasons. I'm going to be in a, because what are you going to do when you grow up? Executive producer, director, that's what I'm going to do. And then I remember uh, the time came in that grade to do a report uh, based on what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, oh boy, well, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, but it needed, uh, uh, we needed to cite some things. You know, you needed uh, to base it on some books. And I couldn't find any books about becoming an executive producer, director of movies. Probably because those are more titles than just being a movie director. But even at the time, I don't know. I don't know if we were just using our school library, which was very small. Or if we were using, but I remember I had the worst time, and the only book I found was way beyond me. And also, uh, you know, it, it, it was just, uh, what was I going to say? My understanding of what an executive producer, director uh, is, I didn't even have that. At the, to me, that was the person that made, that was Steven Spielberg, right? He made the movies. And I knew there was other people involved, but to me, it was like this single-handed like vision, which in Steven Spielberg's case, it, it seems like a lot of times that's the case anyway. But not as an executive, you know, I just, and I was obsessed with that term. I thought that term meant, you know... Movie visionary, whatever. And, oh, also at the time, so we had to do this report. I think it was over, like, spring break or holiday break or something. And I think it was a long report for sixth grade. And I didn't have any discipline also or a lot of structure around getting my work done. Also, I hated school. And even this thing, I I said, oh, boy, this is it. This is, I'm going to nail this report. And I remember I started writing it, and I was more writing about what I loved about movies and why I wanted to make movies, which now I kind of get a little, you know, like, man, I, I could have used a little uh, advocacy here. But within the parameter of the school, probably they would say, well, no, not really. You're not following instructions. True, Also true. So I just sat down to proceed, and I guess I probably threw in, like, some fake quotes now, also, anybody that's get, looked at any notes, gotten any show notes from the uh, SASE, you know my handwriting is pretty bad. And that goes way back to when I hurt my arm as a, in second grade. And my, you just have uh, problems with, with handwriting due to whatever. I don't know what it is. Uh, uh, but but but, but I don't know. But my handwriting is very bad, and it, and I'm left-handed, and I don't have any discipline, and because of whatever happened, my arm would tire more easily. Or at least I thought so. That's what I would tell myself. So I think my biggest mistake going into this was one, uh, my obsession with being an executive uh, director, producer, and two. That I decided, wow, that's a lot to write out. Uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea there, Scoots. I mean, at the time I called myself Andy. So Andy, uh, so I decided to uh, just decide by my own authority uh, to uh, shorten it down to executive EDEP probably. And then I would put a star and then I put a little note to the teacher uh, as the executive director, that's short because, you know, obviously I'm not going to write it. 
And I guess it's going to come through the episode because we might as well keep going and realize this story would kind of suck us in. So, but I remember I was really excited about this report, even though there was some dread in it. Um, I was like, man, this is it. Like, this is when my, but if we go back there, it was such a formative memory for me in my relationship to movies and now uh, coming full circle in a different way with the podcast, I think. So we have this moment to thank. But I'll never remember. It was like when I, I remember it had this snowmobile and a G.I. Joe was on it. And he hit this jump and it was like these, like uh, heart music from heaven, as I realized. And I sat down. And now that we're going to do the episode on this, it was like just a harps were playing, heavenly harps were playing. And I said, someone makes these movies. And this is going to date me, but I, I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm I'm fine with people knowing that I'm 41, so there's out there. But uh, so this was also the summer, and I guess ironically, it was just Back to the Future Day, that Back to the Future came out and Goonies came out. And I think these all came out in the same summer. So like these three movies is the James Bond of View to a Kill, uh, Goonies and Back to the Future. And it was also the first time I could independently go to the movies. I had money for my paper out. I literally saw Goonies, I mean, even more times than uh, Back to the Future. I must have seen that movie 20 or 30 times in the movie. And I think it was uh, $2 or one fifty or one twenty-five or something cheap, so cheap back then. I guess not as cheap as Redbox, but, but to be able to go there and it'd be during the day and the summer... And you'd go into the dark of the movie, it'd be air-conditioned. This is, I lived in Syracuse, New York, where it get hot and humid, but you'd be in the air-conditioned theater. And sure, we didn't have, you know, we spent our money on movie tickets, so we didn't really have any snacks or anything, but all oh, the smells and the popping of the popcorn. I mean, I can feel it now. My God, I'm not even kidding you. And the lobby would be full of, you know, in my mind at least, chattering, anticipation, of people laughing and excited and, and, and saying, Jesus, what's this, you know, I mean, I'd seen Goonies, but I said, what's this Goonies about? I hear it's great. And in reality, probably was some magic going on. Let's be honest, like uh, matinees are where lovers meet for a tryst or for the beginning of a tryst or, you know, people playing hooky from work or they say, well, geez, I'm going to go. Or really a place of solace matinees are, like a place where you can say, I need to escape from the world. So the chatter of the lobby could have been real. These people, like, what's that word? Uh, it's like a word for counter-cultural or, like, like almost, matinees are almost a place of rebellion and childhood youthful spirits, you know. Pure escapism, you're escaping from the day into a wonderful deep dark night and then the projector plays and for me it was magic so i saw this goonies and i saw a view to a kill and then at some point also right after i realized that someone made the movies when i was playing with my gi joes i realized that uh or i watched the news and they said you know coming out later this summer also uh, produced by Steven Spielberg, because I think Steven Spielberg 
had something to do with Goonies, nothing to do with A View to a Kill, but they said this movie Back to the Future is coming out, and they said it might even be bigger and better than Goonies, which I said, okay, that's not possible. But then it ended up, it was, it was different. It wasn't bigger or better. It was, it was like as, well, it was another wonderful pinnacle experience for me. And so, so that's where my obsession with the executive director, producer, executive producer, director, I think was the term uh, at the time. And I think Steven Spielberg, well, at least for me, was the first like uh, celebrity director. I mean, he had done E.T. He was, uh, he, I don't know. And it's weird that... Uh, where I choose to funnel my attention, because I didn't funnel it into an obsession with Steven Spielberg. Like, I had an appreciation for his work, but I didn't really uh, know what an executive... Like, to me, they, they made movies. And so so I worked on this report. We'll go back to the report here. And all that love of movies was there. So the report, I guess this would have been the summer between 5th and 6th grade. I I don't want to stop and Google and look up the date or whatever. But that would make sense that the 6th grade was when I was was like, oh boy, this is it. I know what I want to do with my life now. Uh, And now another thing is this is when I had my insomnia. This was also 5th or 6th grade was when it was probably at its peak. And it was because of my relationship with school in 5th and 6th grade was when I started to have some real problems. And also in sixth grade, me and the teacher just had a hard time uh, interacting, and we we, we just didn't see, I don't know. And so at some point, it became time to turn this paper in. And this paper was full of uh, misguided joy. I think uh, just like in McFly, uh, George McFly was always being accused of being, uh, what's that word? When you uh, you're kind of innocent and, and without guile, gullible, uh, is that the right word? I'm not sure if it is. I think that's what Biff would say. Don't be some so gullible. So maybe it's different than you. Ain't gullible, gullible and, and vulnerable and innocent, but but also with me, I'll admit it. It was also maybe on some level intentional, and I don't understand it because it was I was a child, and in child logic is beyond understanding, because children are just doing their best, you know, with what they have too, just like adults in some sense. We just have a little more, you know, experience and ideally uh patience and stuff like that but this pa- this paper even it was filled with no facts so let's let's be honest there was no facts about what an executive producer director does other than make movies produce and direct and i don't think i knew what those were either which is funny kind of funny talking about it here because i'm like man it's sixth grade uh i don't know how old that is Maybe 12, 13, I'm guessing. Uh, it's like, geez, I really, I was a little bit uh, uh, George McFly. I was way more, I wanted to be Marty McFly. Oh, how I wanted to be Marty McFly. But I was more, way more George McFly. And Goonies, I don't think I could fit with any character. I think, uh, 
I was like maybe uh, had a had some chunks personality, uh, and then a little bit of data in me, uh, and maybe uh, what's the lead character, Mikey? Yeah, I don't think I had Mikey. Mikey was a leader, you know. Maybe Mikey's curiosity, chunks humor, a little bit of Data's uh, sense of adventure, because Data loved James Bond too. Which made me love data. Uh, and nothing with Mouse, but I loved Mouse. You know, my, you know, I loved that character too. And I'm sorry if you don't. I'm trying to avoid the plots of the movies in case, because I know it's weird that Goonies is uh, can be a source of pain. I talked about this before, but for people that haven't seen Goonies, and let's not do this. Let's agree as a community not to do this to anyone. Let's stop the Goonies shaming from here on forward, especially with our brothers and sisters that are in the millennial generation that might be on the, you know, the front end of the millennials. They, they've probably seen Goonies, but the middle and back end, maybe they haven't. And there's plenty among us uh, pre-millennial that uh, haven't. And they say, and people, I don't, we don't want to hurt anybody around Goonies or shame them. If you haven't seen Goonies, yeah, maybe see it, maybe don't. I'm no pressure. And I say that, and I and is because my sister-in-law, my brother Carl's wife Julie, hi Julie, she uh, she did not see Goonies, and we would we would, and I, I guess I have an amends to make, an apology to make, because we would go, we'd be like, wait a second, like if we were all driving in a car. And then Goonies would come up, or he'd say, man, you, you know, we can do a truffle shuffle later. Or, you know, hey, Mikey, or whatever. She would be like, what do you guys say? Well, it's from Goonies. She, I had never seen Goonies. Everyone in the car would say, you never seen Goonies? And it was, you don't realize, I guess, how hurtful it can be. So let's, let's, let's agree uh, to agree to stop the Goonies. No more Goonies shaming. You know, would Mikey want us to shame? Would Data... Data. I mean, how would Chunk feel? You know, he'd say, I mean, Mouse, is that it? Mouse, is that one of the characters? Is that Sean, Sean Astin? We had uh, Corey Feldman, and that's about it. Me, Josh Brolin was uh, Brant, right? Is that really, is that right? I think it is. I could probably think it, but let's not plumb. But so, where was I? I don't know. I just remember uh, pouring all that movie love, like like being a, like being ready to go in the movies, only having enough to get into the theater, and then like hearing a clink on the street of a quarter, hitting the pavement, and saying, "I don't think popcorn was twenty five cents at the time, but it might have been fifty cents or a dollar." Uh, but saying, uh, "Okay, so but I poured everything in that paper." But so I poured uh, all my uh, love into this paper of movies, but no facts. And I think the assignment was, uh, and that would be a good sixth grade assignment to they have like, uh, what do you want to do with one primary source? And also, again, my handwriting and penmanship were awful. And I was Mr. Messy, as we've talked about on the show. So everything, I guess there's so many new people now. Uh, they would like to get to know me a little bit better. I'm I'm a messy guy, and as a child, I was unbelievably messy. 
And if we ever get a chance to meet, uh, well, I'm also a very awkward guy, so just so you know, way ahead of time. Like, I'll probably fumble between shaking your hand or hugging you. It just happened to me the other day. Yeah, let me run this by. This is a tangent, I guess. But uh, an old friend was in town with his wife, and, and we hadn't seen each other, and we spent some time together. And then we went out to dinner, and one of her coworkers came, or one of her old coworkers from another job. And, and we were at this kind of a bit busy, noisy restaurant. So me and my friend Chris, we, we talked. And his wife and, and this gentleman talked a lot because of the restaurant, you know. But then we, you know, we, we lingered as dinner closed. And, uh, you know, so we kind of talked a little bit. And I guess I was, it wasn't talking about the podcast, believe it or not, but I was talking about some other stuff. I was, I don't know if I was holding court, whatever, I was talking. And I guess I have a tendency to be, tell stories. So I was telling stories. But I didn't have a lot of one-on-one time with this person. But so dinner closed, and we were saying our goodbyes, all of us. And we, I did the old awkward go to shake this guy's hand, and he was like, oh, hell no, it's a hug. And it was so awkward because then I felt like, geez, I didn't want to hurt him and say, no, 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 you're only shake-worthy. And then I hugged him, but I still said, well, I don't know, are we like a— I mean, that was all going through my brain in real time. Well, I don't know if we're on a hug basis. No, if, you know, I mean, I'm not even on a hug basis with myself. Uh, so, or my, you know, I'm, I'm just, and I think I should be. It, it, they say that's good for the health and such things. But, uh, but so if we do cross paths, that would be one thing. You know, you can have a hug, but it's going to be, you know, and I think I would challenge you say, hey, just let's, let's hug. But, you know, it'll, it'll be awkward because of me, but it doesn't need to be. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to grow here. But that's one thing. The next thing you probably won't notice about me because, you know, if we're just meeting or it wouldn't be appropriate for you to stare at my clothing. But whatever I'm wearing, uh, there's a 90 to 94 percent chance there's a stain on my clothes somewhere and that's how it plays out as an adult like everything i wear gets stained usually some sort of grease stain nowadays and i always say geez why don't i take my clothes off before i make dinner and put on some you know but then i forget or i'm out there in the world i get stained i'm a a messy person and that applies to this paper because uh uh I don't know, I just have terrible penmanship. I would always get a D or whatever on that, or an NI needs improvement, or NS not satisfactory, probably. But so I hand this paper in, but I still was like, just like a George, young, like a young George McFly, like a sixth grade George McFly. And I handed this paper in, and I expected, I honestly, I, I would have, I wouldn't have been surprised, and I'm not kidding, if I got to school. And again, this is why I tell boring stories or podcast stories or whatever. I, w- I would not have been shocked. And probably a large majority was expecting me to get to school one day and Steven Spielberg was going to be there. And I would probably be in, I would probably have feigned shock, but I would have been like, and he'd be like, hey, we, I read your paper. It was the greatest thing I've ever read. I don't know if you've heard about the trouble we've been having with ET2. Or whatever, he said, you know, I'd like to pull you out of school and bring you out. 
you know, maybe, you know, figure out, maybe maybe we could break some stories, you know, maybe you'd be my protege. So I was kind of expecting that, and that's another problem of mine is these unrealistic expectations. I said, okay, all my school problems, I don't need to worry about those, because uh, when Spielberg catches wind of this, uh, this work of art I've created about uh, this ode uh, to executive producer-directors, I should, guess I should have done that. Oh, to those, I mean, it would have been like that too. I mean, it was well-intentioned, but the paper was probably nonsense. I mean, and I don't mean that in a hurtful way, but it probably was like, oh, to those who direct and produce with executive oversight, the movies, you enter the darkness and magic happens, and you are the makers of that magic. Without you executively producing, directing, we would not see the images on the screen. I would not go back in time. I would not uh, see the sights of one-eyed Willie Ship. Oh, to you who executive produce and direct. Oh, I salute you. In my heart, in my soul, the gratitude fills up and overflows, for I am so lucky to drink from the chalice you have filled with your executive producing and directing. One may ask... What does an executive producer do, director producer do? And I would cite one Steven Spielberg, and maybe I mentioned Robert Zemeckis too, who both executive produces and executive directs, executive producer director. He brings the films to the screen for us to enjoy, to be touched. To adventure, to hear Sloth say, Baby Ruth. It is the dream that is granted to every child of the world. Who, where to for out thou did say, Of you to kill this day, Roger Moore becomes James Bond. Marty McFly, you know, puts the 1950s on. In so many ways, my life has changed this summer for learning of you executive producer-directors. It was not a bummer. That is why I have decided to dedicate my life to the executive production and direction of films. And that is why I read this book... Uh, cited here into four, uh, you know, Murphy's book on movies, for it tells the tales, so deep and so wise, of the making of movies, in the wooing of sighs, of the cries of heroes, this book does tell. But within... Each chapter's our true hero dwells. It is the executive producer-director that one day I may become. For a child's dream is yet to be won.
But there is one who stands above them all, Steven Spielberg's the name. This book doth cite him and his executive production direction game. And that is why I write this ode. For my dream has thus been told to be like Steven Spielberg, as cited in this here book, an executive producer-director. My head has thus shook. In affirmation, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I think that uh, ode that I just did, uh, was it, is it animals making a noise about that ode? And I wish they would have made the noise before I handed in the paper. And also, I'm a very stubborn adult, and I was a child, so I'm sure any um, uh, proofreading, well, I had a complicated relationship with schoolwork and uh, authority figures, so it was difficult for them to help me in any way. You know, so it was always a battle for me. It was either so it, it, it's tough to to give a fair version of of. Uh, I don't know if anyone could have helped me avoid avoid any of this. And I'm sure people did try. I'm sure my parents said, "Hey, what do we? You know, there's no there's no substance to this." Uh, they say, "You do not." They say, "How dare you besmirch the name of one Steven Spielberg in his trade." Executive production direction. Um, I wish I would have just done that. If I would have known to do an ode, I still would have. So I handed the paper in, right? And then I don't know how long I had to wait. I expected Steven Spielberg to come get me. And I'm not making that up. I really constantly, you know, even now, but maybe, you know, maybe experiences like this tamped it down a little. But I remember the day came, and I, I was probably riding high that the papers were going to get back to us. I, it was probably the only time in, in fifth, sixth grade that I was waiting for a paper uh, to be returned to me, because otherwise it was going to be bad news. And I think probably I was expecting, they said, well, you know, we had to, uh, you know, principals here and, uh, you know, executive of schools, because we had to come up with something better than an A-plus because of this paper. You know, we're just calling, you know, we're just going to, we've got the directors and the producers killed here. And that's it. We, we, you know, you're, you're now, because we can't even give you an A plus, it just feels. But so I remember, and, and this is almost, uh, I mean, this is, you can see this coming a mile away. So the papers get handed out and I turn my, you know, whatever I turn it over, I see it. And it failed. I, I didn't even think it failed. I think it refused. I'm pretty sure the teacher refused. Like, whatever it was, it was It was like I, I thought I was hearing German. I was like, what did you just say? Is this in German? I'm sorry. And then maybe I started speaking in German out of confusion. Uh, but I was like, oh, I said, what do you mean? And I think uh, it said, you know, basically the teacher said there's no substance here to this paper, you know, there's nothing here. And you didn't read the book, and uh, and this was a repeat offense. I remember I had to read a Civil War book, and I made up a, you know, paper the night before about that. Oh, that was a good one. That was probably an ode. I said, like, cannons blast. 
in Gettysburg, you know, so, so the same like I just did the material. That was actually in a paper I failed as well. Uh, maybe that was a year before, but this one I had way, more, way, way, way more invo- emotional investment. That one I was just hoping to sneak one by. This I thought was good, uh, but, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. But so I got it back, and I think I uh, usually my and it probably had to be signed by my parents because it was so bad. Usually in that case, they say, you know, bring this back tomorrow, signed by your parents, and then redo it. And usually my move in that case was to stuff it at the bottom of my backpack, which was my backpack was like one of those. My backpack was one of those. Uh, I think they. I think I saw. I heard on Star Talk. They were talking about my backpack in fifth and sixth grade because uh, I'm pretty sure they located like a missing satellite in there like five or six years ago because it just get you know it's got some kind of like I just stuff in there and then I probably went with a hopefully that problem will go away situation and then I do remember you know like trying to having the book and trying to go through it and. And just being in this war with adults, with uh, all adults in my life, them saying, well, okay, can't you just cite stuff from this book about what an executive producer, director does? And me just staying with the ideal of like, no, 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 I want to make movies. And I guess this is where strange kids, I know all kids have trouble. And maybe this is just more of like a narcissism or, uh, or an individual. This is, you know, formative experience for me. So, uh, but, you know, like, uh, I just had trouble. Uh, I don't know. I think it was like, you know, my brain didn't work the way, like, it was like we were operating in different interfaces or different languages even. And a lot of times I wasn't even speaking the same language as my peers or even my siblings or whatever. So the teachers would be like, I don't know what the hell, what the hell is wrong? Why can't you just write a, you know, just dial it in? And I also had an inability to do that. Not because of any, um, what do you call it, like uh, aspirations or... um Big, it was like, no, no, no. I'm, I, this is about me being an executive producer, director. Even though that might have been meaningless, it meant something to me. Uh, and, and so that just became something that, that I said, okay, let's box that up uh, for as long as possible. And, uh, you know, and I guess maybe if I, if I had written an ode, Maybe I could have packaged it up. I guess I should have done this, like taking the paper. This would have been cool, like a cool kid, like a, I don't know if Brant and Marty McFly were combined into one character, because Brant was pretty damn cool. Uh, and he was a good older brother, like protective, uh, adventurous, uh, you know, outgoing. He was trying to connect with Andy. And then uh, Marty was cool too, but he was a little more comically cool. Uh, but if they were combined into a character, that character may have, you know, rewritten the paper as an ode, put it in a bottle, gone down to the beach, and sat with the beach sounds. And maybe this is like the final part of this, this is my healing process. And saying, uh, 
let's set this like, like maybe if I had Brant and Marty and they say hey, hey Andy come on let's go and I would say I'm Andy why just so you know Brant so don't pretend I'm like uh, the girl you have a crush he said no no don't worry let's go scoots we'll call you scoots and I would say what do you mean guys and they said well one day in the future it's all going to be okay I know it's tough being in 6th grade and you're a little, you're a little different you know and you can't get along with the teacher, and you can't really get you. You really have a lot of trouble with authority, and it's not you know you're not a bad kid. You're doing your best, and you know we're, we're characters, and you know it was unrealistic for you to say it, you, we'll be like your imaginary movie friends, Scoots, and we're gonna take you down to the beach. We're gonna write an ode, which I just performed somehow, and I say how how do I do that? And Marty said head back to the future. Roads, you know, we don't need roads. Odes, we don't need no fucking odes, man. Where we're going, it's all odes. And I would say, are you sure it's not all toads? Because I don't want to go to any future that's all toads. I said, I could probably tolerate a future that's all odes. Do people speak in odes? Because I would get that, I would get sick of that pretty fast, Marty. And he would say, he'd say, this is a metaphor, Scoots. Oh, okay. Or you're, okay, so sorry, I didn't mean to, to steal your thunder. And they say, you know, dude, let's go down to the beach, and we're at the beach, and we have the beach sounds there. And they say, hey, Scoots, like, uh, it's going to be okay. You're, you're having a tough time now. And Steven Spielberg's not, he, he can't come rescue you. Like, you have to go through this. You have to be, you just do your best. You don't have to be brave. You don't have to change anything. But maybe, you know, you don't have to be so worried either. I know it's kind of scary. And maybe you have some feelings. I don't know what they are, Scooter, because I don't want to tell you how to feel. I'd say, Brant, you are the... I wish I had an older brother. Like I said, just remember, I'm imaginary, you know. Maybe, well, could you be my internal Brant? And he said, well, I don't even know if the character's name's Brant Scooter because I'm already inside you, believe it or not. Are you telling me I have an internal Marty McFly and an internal Brant or Brent? Yeah, it'd be good if we knew if it was Brent or Brant. They think it's Brant, or that's how Andy would say it. Well, anyway, Scoots, you're, you're stealing our thunder. Okay, so sorry, big, bro- big big imaginary movie brothers. Oh, that, uh, Thanks, guys. Anyway, Scoots. We just want you to know it's going to be okay. We're going to take this ode and this F paper or whatever, not even less than an F, not even worthy of a grade paper, and we're going to pack it up in this bottle here, and we're going to set it sail, and we're going to watch it go off, Scoots, and it's going to go off. Well, where's it going to go, guys? It's going to go where it goes, Scoots. It's going to go... Somewhere else, somewhere far away, you gotta let it go. Don't hold on to it, okay? We don't, we don't want these experiences to hold you back. And we don't want you to hold on to it. It's like an anchor. It's an anchor, but it's floating, guys. We know, Scoots, it's a, it's a, it's a real metaphor because it's really floating. Ah, but, but Scoots, you stick with us here because we're, we're pulling everything together now. Oh, thanks, Brant. Brant, you guys are kind of talking in one voice now. Well, you said you wanted to combine us into one. 
So, but I'm just not sure what to call you now. Well, just just let us talk, Scoots. Yeah, sorry. I'm kind of, I, I'm so excited to be hanging with you guys, even though you're one, and you're inside me. It, this is the best imagining I've done, and it's so much so great. I just feel well. That's why we're here to help you feel a little more. And it's okay to feel sad as that bottle drifts away. And yes, it's an anchor, but it's floating away. It's the magic of letting it go. And what we were saying before you kind of took us off track there, Scoots, and that's fine, is uh, letting the anchor float away frees you because we want you to float like that kid that was floating after the movies. That dreams of making things. That dreams of giving an experience like you had. Remember I was listening to you earlier. Because I can travel back and forth in time, right? I could see you were going to ask me that, Scoots. But I could feel the inside of the movie theater. I could hear and smell the popcorn and the chatter. I could sense the, the the emotional and the chemical feelings of anticipation and titillation as you enter the theater. And the wonder, even though it was your 17th time seeing Back to the Future, the wonder I could see it on your face. And I know you were changed that summer, Scoots. And now we have to let that anchor go away. So you can return and take solace in those memories and pass that experience on forward, Scoots. You want to create that experience for others. That's what you wanted. The magic of the stories are kind of in the experience and the journey, right? In the, in the, in the wonderful dark night there. Nancy, guys, you're so right. Yeah, so let it float away, Scoots. Sure, it was a dream of yours. Sure, you didn't follow the instructions or actually read the book ever. Or you made up citations. But you love Steven Spielberg. You love movies. And you want to do that for other people, Scoots. And I can tell you, and now you're here with us here. You're kind of doing that in a different way. And it's okay, all right? So so let that anchor float away. And take some breaths, and, and you don't have to worry. Because that's one less weight you got to carry now, buddy. And I said, well, hey, by, by the way, could I ask you guys one question? Where were you when I was a kid? Because I could have used this back then. We're here now, Scoots, to help you now. And that's all part of the journey. Now's the time when you have something, you have a platform to share, and you get to do it. So it has come full circle. It's taken some time. We know that. We know it's taken a while. You've had your ups and downs. But now you have to start floating bottles. Or maybe there is no have-tos. Yeah, thanks. I was going to interrupt you and say that, actually. Okay, Scoots, let's, uh, you, you've done good. And we like, could you, Scoots, you know, you were so good on that ode. Odes, before we go, we need one more ode. Okay, an ode to the, to the, to the bottle 
that I said goodbye to, goodbye bottle, full of pain, of Marty McFly notness, but a lot of George McFly hair gel and, and, and a little shame, goodbye bottle. As you float away, I hope you don't sink, but you always see the light of day, and you reflect, and you stay dry. And maybe somewhere in the paper are some tears I've cried, yes. I had some sorrow, and in some sense maybe I caused my own pain. But goodbye, bottle. Uh, Now that you're gone, maybe I'll never be the same, or maybe you've always helped me as I've carried you along. And somehow I've learned uh, to, to, to grow and become strong, and and. And thank you, Steven Spielberg, for the things that you've made and those around that helped you and that followed in your wake and everyone else that's created things wonderful and grand and tiny and minuscule but wonderful in their own ways as well. For those things whether they forever change me in the grand way of that summer, or they just put a tiny smile on my face. My life is always changing, and I don't, you know, I wish I had some witty way to bring it back after that, but thank you, even for your little notes, even for your tweets or your thank yous. Oh, somehow, really, I am living... The dream I had back then, and, and I'm truly full of gratitude, for I couldn't do it without any of you. Good night. I want to say thank you and good night for some emails to Catherine. Thank you and good night. Amanda, thank you and good night. Eric T. from ADHD Rewired Podcast, thank you and good night. Uh, Rebecca, hopefully I'll be doing an interview with Rebecca soon. Thank you for your email. Meg, thank you. Alexandra, thank you. Ahab's wife, thank you. Bob C., thank you. Sophie, thank you for the email. Thank you and good night. Uh, Joey K., thank you once again. Adriana, thank you. I want to say thank you and good night to Lauren. Lauren B., for her email. I want to say thank you and good night to the team at Blab who is, is still working on things, but I think they might have almost everything sorted out. And I want to say thank you and good night to Ben and thank you and good night to Amanda. iTunes reviews, I want to thank uh, Soda Janie from US, Soda Janie, who says thank you, Lifesaver. Uh, DCI. Topolsky, Topolsky, yeah, Topolsky, Topolsky, or not Topolsky, that is the question we ask ourselves when, you know, when you you say, do I want to do that or not? But DCI, Topolsky says, puts it on, gets them to ease, and they fall asleep, spreading the word, thank you, Uh, inertal, inertal gnosis. Inertal gnosis. See, holy moly. Did anybody hear that? Because I just said that correctly. Inertal gnosis, maybe. And that was fun. Uh, says the podcast, amazing. They put on a sleep timer for 30. 
And it works. Thank you. Uh, Lulu, Lulu, double G. Triple Lou, double G. In my heart, you're more than three. As I say, I thank thee for your review. Who he says it looks when they say it works like a freaking charm. Thank you, Triple Lou, double G. A generator is like a kegerator, but named Jane or a refrigerator. Maybe a brain bot could be an android. Could be one of those, you know, you know, organic plant human robot hybrids they're working on. And they're in Canada, so that means they're nice no matter what, you know, even if they're science, you know, say they're kind. Canadians are kind. They, they, my experience. But it works for Generator. So thank you, Generator. Then we got a mega, here we go. Does exactly what advertises by one two three seven seven three eight three LMU. So that's a brain bot with a seri- serious serial serial code, and uh, they say it does exactly what it advertises. So, uh, though the concept of the podcast is weird, it's, they were skeptical. Love a skeptical brain bot, especially one so high in the uh, numerical letter order. Still works for LMU, so thank you. Uh, the face is zero twenty two says they prefer earlier episodes, not the later ones, and that I have slurred speech and vocal fry. And you know, I'm always trying to figure out how to improve the sound. So I'm instead of paying myself, uh, I'm, I'm already started. Uh, I've got Chris Posey Posterson working on this, and we'll be working on whatever equipment upgrades. But I think the podcast sounds good. Can it sound better? Of course it can. Uh, so I'm working on that face O2, double two. I can tell you it's not a stylist. Whatever you're hearing is what you're hearing. I'm just here doing the podcast. So will we adjust things or won't we? We're working on it. We'll see. But thanks for your feedback. Uber helpful. That's Staly lover. A lover of Staly's. You should get a show, The Staly's Show. S-T-A-L-L-Y, or it's a st-a-l-i, Staly. Staly's better, though. They fall asleep in 20 minutes. J-M, J-M, D-M, 81. Uh, uh, for, they say, great for racing minds. Well, thank you. And they, like, uh, I've got a garland to deal with. And how about this one? Hate PDA uh, from the U.K., uh, they say the podcast is magic, and they can't explain it, but it works. And hopefully, so I guess I'll be canceling the PDA series I was going to do, where I try to bore people to sleep by going in public and kissing people. But I, I'll, I'll cut that out because it wasn't. I didn't think it was very good anyway. And neither it was. You know, I said, I said, well, geez, I'm not even comfortable looking at myself in the mirror, so. I don't think I'm comfortable with PDA doing it and observing it. You know, I say, well, geez, it's, even though it's PDA, it's none of my business. But how about uh, Joe Q8, also from the UK? They say it's weirdly effective. It helps them get rid of their gobbledygook. They think, oh, initially annoying gobbledygook helps them fall asleep. And they don't know how it works. Well, thanks, Joe Kate. Joe Kate, right? Joe Kate, they think so. Thanks. Uh, we got Zoo, 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 Zooey One, Zooey One. 
Z-O-Y-O-U-N. Except it's O-N-E is how you spell one, O-N-E. I, I misspelled it. Zoe Zo- one spelled it right. Could be Zoe one or it could be Zoe one But they say wake time hours, they fall asleep to the show. But they like to listen to it at daytime. Those are my special friends, and that's Randall. Randall. Hey, Randall, can you Randall for me? Do you know what that means? Well, look it up on YouTube and then Randall for me. It's it's kind of like a dance, but a move. Okay, uh, relax finally, says they can't sleep without it. They used to use uh, Tylenol PM, and they've been going through a hard time, but the podcast works. Thank you, relax finally. And then we have Chem on the Go, better than a C-SPAN broadcast to the House Agricultural Committee. And what a gift Scooter has. We're fortunate he uses the powers for good. Well, thanks, Chem on the Go. It's some sort of chemistry set delivery service, I believe. The Uber of chem set delivery. Started by chem on the go. Uh, Well-rested 2812. Uh, we may have thanked you already, but let's thank you twice. Impressed. Wow. And they've been traveling a lot, but using the podcast. Well, thank you so much, uh, Well-rested. And if anybody else is awake and you want to review the podcast, go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes. Thank you.